Um, we're taking a break this morning from our series in Isaiah, and uh, we are going to at least take a one-week break to preach on the gospel and racism. And how are we to think? What are we to do? Now, some of you are here, and you will be disappointed in what I don't say. Some of you are here, and you will be disappointed in what I do say. And that's really the nature of the topic right now, isn't it? It's not the first time we've preached on racism. It will not be the last time we preach on racism. And so there's certainly a context of previous sermons where we address this. If you remember, in our previous series in Galatians, we addressed it a couple times. I hope to leave um, my opinions out of this as much as possible. And where I chime in with my opinions, I just want to tell you, you can kick them to the curb. (laughs) I'm fine with that. Genuinely fine with that. My hope is that more than my opinions, we're going to speak God's word. And for that, we can't kick scripture to the curb. And so by all means, kick my ideas, my opinions to the curb, but not scripture. Obviously, there are no shortage of comments on social media, the news, talk radio, what have you. Everyone has an opinion. And while everyone has a right to their opinion, I think we would do well to follow the wisdom of Scripture. It tells us to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger. Some of you have wondered why I have not spoken up on this on social media. For those of you who are on social media, you've recognized I don't speak up much on anything on social media. But I understand um, that that idea. Why, why not, Tim? There's great pressure today to speak out. And there's a false idea that's out there that to say nothing is either um, due to fear or bias. I would caution us to slow down, think it through. I think the issues before us require more thought, not less. Biblical thinking requires more than a quick paragraph or a meme. Let's be honest. We are predominantly a white church that wishes we had more cultural diversity. And so, predominantly white church... Let's not pretend that we fully understand all the issues that the black community is facing today. Too often comments are made and unintentionally those comments are offensive, not thought through, or might even reveal an underlying prejudice. Some of you are outraged. I will be calling you to a wider outrage this morning. Don't be outraged simply to try to pacify your conscience or pacify someone who might call you racist because you're not expressing enough outrage or enough sadness. Friends, none of us are outraged enough by the wickedness of this world. So this morning we're going to think more biblically and less politically, more Bible-centric and less emotion-centric. Less Facebook and more his book. We want to be measured, not careless or reckless with our comments. 
And the way we'll do that is by looking at the broad storyline of Scripture. From Genesis to Revelation. From origins to eternity. From beginning to end, God's Word gives us insights about wisdom. Before we do that, join with me. Let's pray. So, Father, now we pray to you, Lord. We are in troubled times in our country. And Lord, we think we know more than we do. And we think we're doing more than we're doing. So I pray that you would help us now to think and act biblically. To think thoughts and to do activity that honors you and serves the black community. Lord, help us to weep with those who weep. And help us to mourn with those who are mourning in the black community today. Father, I don't pretend to understand all the pain and all the hurt that many have experienced. Lord, also quoted James earlier, Lord, that we would be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. But James also tells us, for those who lack wisdom, that we're to ask you who gives generously to those who ask. So, Lord, we're asking. And we just humbly submit ourselves to you and say we need wisdom in our day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to make four points this morning as we travel through the storyline of Scripture. The first is creation. In the beginning, is was far greater than any of us could imagine. Second is the fall. The problem is far worse than I think any of us are imagining today. The third is redemption. The answer is far more powerful than any of us imagine. And the last is eternity. The future will be greater than any of us imagine. So we're going to travel through the storyline of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. Somehow we're going to do that in about 30 minutes. And uh, I think we need to be reminded of creation, fall, redemption, and eternity in the midst of what we're walking through. We need to be reminded, we first of all begin with creation, in the beginning was far more glorious than any of us would imagine. We need to be reminded that God's creation was once not distorted, not mangled by sin. It was not what we see in our world today. It was not damaged by sin. There was a day when God created the heavens and the earth and Adam and Eve, there was a day where there was no racism or prejudice. What we see being lived out, not only every day on our TV screens, but let's be honest here, every day in our living rooms, every day in our living rooms, what's being walked out in the sin in our own hearts was not how God created things in the beginning. In the beginning, it's hard to imagine life without sin. Can you imagine the glory of no sin? Can you imagine no wickedness, no wickedness, no, no, no stray thought, no words that you would desire to pull back into your mouth that you spoke to your husband or your wife or your children or your, your neighbor? No words, no activity. That was the beginning. But we don't live in the beginning. We live in the middle. Right? We're going to talk about the beginning. We're going to talk about the end. Where do we live? We live in the middle. We live in a fallen world. 
As Josiah has already read, I want to read it again. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God has given uh, man dominion. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. What are we, what are we supposed to take home from those verses, right? We are created in the image of God. Male and female, both made in his image, both equal in their glory, their reflecting of glory as, as the apex of his creation, glorious beings that he has created. His power is on display in that creation. And his power continues to be on display today in every living, breathing being. His glory is being displayed. Now, again, I try to imagine back to the to the Garden of Eden, and there's no sin. I think that's far more glorious than we imagine. And in the wisdom of God, I believe to display his creative glory, he then created a variety of peoples. Listen to Acts 17, verse 26. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. It, that, that section of scripture will go on to say that it's in him that we have our being. Um, and when you marry Genesis 1, God created man in his image. With Acts 17, 26, God made all the nations, or we could say God made all the ethnic groups from this first couple, Adam and Eve. What that shows us is that all people are made in the image of God. All people are a reflection of his glory. And I'm saying to us that I think that that's far more glorious than we imagine. Every living person is a breathing image bearer of our God. God makes all the peoples. He gives them a heart that pumps blood through their veins. He gives them a brain to think. He gives them their eyes and their ears and their nose and some of those features, right? They're different, and it's that variety that glories the creator, right? Glad. Some people have narrow long noses and some people have nubby noses. And that reveals a glory of the Lord in his diversity. Every last living person is created by God and more glorious than I think we imagine. And for that reason, and for that reason alone, prejudice ought to be crushed. God created all people. How does that fit in with racism? Prejudice exalts man, one man over another. Every prejudice thought that has come out of your mind, out of my mind, is not simply a diss on another image bearer. But ultimately, it's a diss on our great God who's created them. Your problem, my problem, is not with the man or the woman who stands in front of you. Your problem, my problem, is with the Lord. It's far bigger, and I think we need to notate that. To love people of another color is to 
literally glory in what God has created. It honors the Lord when we love diversity. Colors. What a grand display of the creativeness of our God. I'm so grateful that there's not simply red roses. But we appreciate it when we see the yellow rose or the pink rose or the different shades of red roses. I'm grateful that there's not simply yellow dogs. I'm grateful that there's not only blue jays, but we, we perk up, right? When a red cardinal flies into the backyard and we go, look, a cardinal, what is that? That is, that is whether we're thinking about it or not, that is us saying, glory be to our God. He's creative, he's diverse in his creation, beautiful colors he puts before us. He didn't just create one blue jay. Can you imagine? I mean, the, what, what we'd be missing right now if there was only blue jay. All the creative glories of the Lord that we would be missing if the peacock wasn't before us. And all the other examples that we could give there, right? Why then? Only in just the ridiculous sinfulness of man when it comes to color of one's skin, do we lose our way? Why then? It makes no sense when you think about it. I believe God created different colors of people because there is glory in the creator with that diversity. So creation, it's more glorious than we can imagine, which brings us to number two, the fall. The problem is far worse than we imagine. See, God created male and female as the apex of his creation. We are reflectors of that glory. And that's why murder is so abhorrent to the Lord. One image bearer taking the life of another created by God image bearer. It ought never to be. But it doesn't take long for humanity to get there, does it? If you're reading through your Bible, you start in Genesis 1, and God is creating, and in Genesis 2, God is creating, and by the time we get three chapters in, man is sinning. The fall, chapter 3, go to chapter 4, you have Cain and Abel. We're just four chapters in, and Cain kills his brother Abel. You get to the end of chapter 4. You've now traveled six generations, and Lamech is boasting to his wives this. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is 77-fold. The boasting of the ending of life, the, the, the taking down of one image bearer from another. It's unthinkable. The problem's far worse than we imagine, though. You see, we don't, we don't imagine in the beginning as grand as it was, and I don't think we think of the problem of sin as bad as it is. What a mess our world is in today. But let me say this. We shouldn't be surprised by the mess. I'm not saying we should be okay with the mess. Big difference. We should not be surprised by the mess. When we're surprised by the mess, it's because we don't think the fall is as great as we imagine. 
Michael Brown, he is a author and uh, he's a Jewish Christian. He wrote an article this week that expresses things are worse than we think. And I share this not to take away from the problem of what's going on the past week and a half or the problems that we find ourselves in today. Rather, I want to expand them. So I'm going to read to you at length uh, this article, so please stick with me. I think you'll find it helpful. He says, it's difficult to take a stand for anything today without being accused of virtue signaling or the like. And if you're woke in one area, you'll soon find out that you are blissfully unwoke in another area. He puts parentheses, hey, if woke is a word, why not unwoke? Well, allow me to set the record straight. Everyone has blind spots. Everyone is woefully ignorant or neglectful or indifferent in some major area of concern. So let's not be so self-righteous and smug and let's not be so condemning of others who genuinely care but who do not quite express their concern in the right way. We're doing the best we know how. For all those who decry racism, do you also decry anti-Semitism? Have you been speaking about the dangerous rise in anti-Semitic words and deeds in America in, re- in America in recent years? And last year and the year before, and did you take to the streets to shout, these synagogue shootings must stop? Or maybe you've been alert to the very real dangers of anti-Semitism, but, you've, you've, but have you been on the front lines of the pro-life movement? Have you been speaking up for the unborn? Are you there on the sidewalk to help offer mothers a better choice? Perhaps you are grieved about gun violence in America. A report from January of this year stated that at least 15,292 people were fatally shot in the United States in 2019, excluding suicide. That's not good news, but it absolutely pales in comparison to the number of babies killed in the womb each year, as many as 800,000 to 1 million, woke in one area, asleep in the next. Or maybe you're thoroughly pro-life, that's great to hear, but are you concerned about the persecution of Christians worldwide, about our brothers and sisters being raped and kidnapped and tortured and beheaded, about them losing their properties and their homes, about their church buildings being burned to the ground? Does your home congregation even talk about this publicly, let alone pray for these persecuted saints? As noted by the Catholic News Agency in in a report issued on May 15, the International Society for Civil Liberties and the Rule of Law Inner Society said that 620 Nigerian Christians have been killed since the beginning of the year and mapped a campaign of destruction and arson carried out against churches in the African nation. And that's just Nigeria. What about the Christians in China and India or the Middle East? Or or how woke are we really? Or maybe this is your area of focus. Maybe you daily pray for the suffering church and write letters to advocate for them. But do you care about human trafficking? According to an April 2019 report in Fortune, slavery is alive and well in the land of the free. With human trafficking now a multi-billion dollar industry worldwide and cases increasing in the United States. And what about the children sold into sexual slavery? Does that keep you up at night? Were you even aware? According to the Erased Child Trafficking website, statistics show that 46 children in America are taken and sold into slavery per day. How can this be happening and on our watch at that? Or maybe this is your area of focus and you're fighting tirelessly to liberate victims and stop others from being victimized. Wonderful. But what about world hunger? We are told that more than one-eighth of the world's population is undernourished, so more than 8 billion people, while World Hunger reports that approximately 3.1 million children die from undernutrition each year. That is almost 8,500 kids dying per day 
because of malnourishment. Who can put words to this? And what about all the other urgent causes that I've not addressed? What about your particular area of interest that I failed to mention? The point of all this is not to lay a guilt trip on you or to make you feel that you should not focus on one particular issue. And I certainly don't want to make you feel paralyzed by the massive needs worldwide, including many that we can do something about. I simply want to remove any sense of smug self-righteousness or of being more woke than someone else or of criticizing those who are late to your particular party or of accusing others of virtue signaling when they are simply trying to do what is right. From God's perspective, all of us are miserably unwoke and fall pitifully short of loving our neighbors as ourselves. So rather than strutting around in our self-righteous cubicles, applauding our compassion and awareness, let's walk humbly, honoring others as their fight, as they fight their fights and welcome those who want to join ours. Let the awakening begin. We are not as woke as we thought. This world, this fallen world, is far, far more fallen than we imagine. We live in a Christian bubble. And friends, for me, I live in a white Christian bubble. And every now and then, something comes rolling in and it pops my bubble. Prejudice, racism, hear me, it lives in every one of us. If you assume that you have no prejudices, if there is no racism, then there is no room to grow. There is nothing that God or his word or a loving friend can teach you or me. As we've been saying through COVID, let's leverage where God has us. Meaning, let's grow in the middle of what this whole pandemic thing and this lockdown and all that we've been going through, we've been saying, let's leverage this so that we might grow for the glory of God. We know that he is sovereign, et cetera, et cetera. And I say to us in the racism and the prejudices that are alive and well in our country, that each of us would humbly embrace it and say, God, I want to take everything you have for me in this season. I'm not all that. Let us end the smug self-righteousness. If there is no prejudice or no racism in you, then not only will you not have anything to grow in this season, but you will be self-righteous to those around you and you will not quite understand why they just don't get it like you do. And you'll be all too happy to take the speck out of your eye or excuse me, yeah, take the speck out of your, your eye and go after the log in theirs as opposed to taking the log out of our eye as Matthew 7 instructs us to then take the speck out of our neighbor. Do we realize just how sinful our world is? Do we realize the depth of sin in our fallen world? Number three, Redemption, the answer is far more powerful than we imagine. 
I so wish we had more time on each of these points. Listen, the ultimate thing is not in our ethnic identities. The ultimate thing is not in our nationality. Praise be to God. I, you, we, we have a bigger savior than America. Praise be to God. I have a better savior. Hear me. I pray this will not be misunderstood. I have a better savior than being white or white privilege. I don't want to offer the black community a white privilege savior. That's not the hope for this world. For all ethnicities of the world. The hope is not in the ethnicity. The hope is in the Savior who is Jesus Christ. And so the ultimate thing, the most glorious thing, while we glory in our colors and in the diversity, he's the creator, we glory greatest of all in the redemption that's found in Jesus Christ. People say, I don't see color. You've heard me say this before. I do. By all means, see colors. They reveal a glory of God. Reveal, they reveal that God is a creative God and he created colors. And that's a wonderful thing to be celebrated. And the greatest color of them all is the blood-stained blood of Jesus, which is red, which flows through my black brother and the white brother. And it was what makes us brothers. Christ is amazing, far more amazing than our ethnicity. I'm not saying to deny your ethnicity. By all means, God is sovereign over your ethnicity. And there should be some rejoicing in that ethnicity. And, but there is no reason whatsoever, he is creator, he is redeemer, that one ethnicity would elevate itself over another ethnicity. It just makes no biblical sense. No valid reasons to elevate your ethnicity over another ethnicity or to elevate your ethnicity over your Christianity. I'm not first and foremost an American. I love America. My first and foremost allegiance is not to America. It is to the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. My first and foremost allegiance is to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not first and foremost a white person. That's not my key identity. My greatest identity is that I am a blood-bought, saved believer in Jesus Christ. He is my Savior, not my ethnicity, not my nation. And Paul tells us in Ephesians 2 that that very truth ends the hostility and the alienation. I hope to preach this in full at another time. Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, that was the Gentile, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That was insane to a Jewish ear. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one Jew and Gentile. 
one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. That dividing wall of hostility is far, far grander than the dividing wall of hostility we see today. I'm not trying to belittle what we see today. I'm just trying to say we need to be better historians. This dividing wall of hostility was far greater. And what Paul is saying in regards to the gospel of Jesus Christ, Christ has broken down that dividing wall of hostility. He's made us both one. It's broken down, he says, verse 15, by abolishing the law of commandments, expressing ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. The redemption that we speak of, that we sing about. Thank you, Toxie, for your word earlier. They're more than words. That redemption is far greater than we imagine. The believer is a new creation. He is no longer that old creation. He's been made new in Christ Jesus. He's been given a new identity in Christ Jesus. He has new eyes in Christ Jesus and a new love and a new pursuit in Christ Jesus. And we've been reconciled to God that we might now be reconciled to each other. We're still black and white and red and yellow and brown. Nothing's changed and everything has changed. as we all have, those who have repented of their sin and turned to Jesus Christ and trusted in him for the forgiveness of sin, as we all have the blood of Christ running through our veins. John Piper puts it like this. So color and ethnicity have their place, but not as the main glory and wonder of our identity as human beings. The primary glory of who we are is what unites us in our godlike humanity, not what differentiates us in our ethnicity. The color of our skin is a minor difference between the black and the white person. The major thing that unites us far, far, far outweighs the color of our skin. We are image bearers of God, redeemed by Christ. His red blood runs through our veins. Again, John Piper. One great problem in the church today, not the only one, is that we do not grasp the magnitude and depth. That's what I'm trying to say. It's far grander. It's far more powerful than we imagine. Is that we do not grasp the magnitude and depth and wonder and miracle of what happens in genuine conversion to Christ. And therefore, we do not know how to live and work and fight for righteousness as Christians. And we have a hard time connecting issues like racism with our faith because we got it wrong from the beginning. In the beginning, we think less of creation than we imagine. Created by God, redeemed by Christ, it means unity and reconciliation. And I say, God, help us. Help the church. See, the greatest thing we can do is point people to the cross of Christ. The cross of Christ was the greatest act of injustice that humanity has ever known. That injustice was carried out as the perfect son of God died for our sins. He died for my racism and prejudice. 
And from that bloodied cross, redemption flows to bad policemen. And redemption flows to criminals and looters and rioters. And redemption flows for doctors who perform abortions. And redemption flows to bankers who commit fraud. And redemption flows for immoral pastors. And redemption flows in this wicked world. We ask it over and over again. How big is your gospel? Number four, eternity, the future is greater than we imagine. Revelation 5. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation Let me translate that for us, for every color. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Listen, you know what's going on in Revelation? We're returning to the garden, where all things are restored as they once were created to be. And we exist for this. We exist for this Revelation 5. We exist for that worship. You and I were made to glorify our great God, our creator, our redeemer. Imagine as all the nations gather at the throne of God, every tribe and language, every tongue, every color represented there gathers. And I'm saying to you, there's a greater glory. There's that diversity. Praise be to God. It's not all blue jays at the throne of God that there's this great display of the glory of our creator and the glory of the redeemer, that all the languages and all the tribes and tongues are gathered at the throne of God because we were made for this. A variety of peoples come and gather because not only were they created, but they were redeemed. But until that time, church, we live in the middle. You have the beginning without sin, You have the end where there will be no sin. You have the beginning where worship and glory was perfected. You have the end where worship and glory will be perfected. We don't live there. We live in the now. We live in the middle in this fallen world. So what do we do? Well, church, it begins where it so often begins. It begins with repentance that we would turn from the sin of prejudice and indifference and we would turn to our God, our maker, and our redeemer. Memes and little cliches will not move the needle. Not in someone else's heart, much less in our own. Think biblically more than you think politically or emotionally about the issues that are before us. Now, obviously, what I said at the start, some of you are disappointed in what I haven't said and some of you are disappointed in what I have said. I get that. There's so much more to say. But let me say this. Where I have said things that might be insensitive, where I've said things 
that might even be prejudiced, that's not my intent. It would be my ignorance. So those of you who are watching, in particular, some of my black friends who are watching, I welcome input. That we would all be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Input is needed. Would you stand with me? We're going to pray. And Justin, if you wouldn't mind. Oh, Lord. Father, I just pray for gracious ears where I've misspoke. Again, Father, not my intent, but where I've misspoke would be my ignorance. So I pray, please help. Father, right now I pray for the George Floyd family. I pray for them, God. Oh, Lord. Unthinkable hurt, pain, suffering, what they're walking through, what what they experienced just this week. Father, would you please help them? Would you comfort them? Lord, we don't know them, don't know the state of their hearts. Lord, I pray, if they have not, Lord, I pray that they'd come to saving faith in you, Jesus Christ, Savior. Father, I pray for peace around our country. Lord, what a mess. This sinful, fallen world finds itself in. Father, I pray for justice. Lord, thank you. We have preached on justice. Father, we pray for the officers, those who are arrested. Lord, if they do not know you, I pray they'd come to saving faith in you. Father, I pray for their families. Lord, just again, unthinkable. Not even two weeks ago, Lord, everything is moving as normal. Can't imagine the suffering in their families as well. Father, Father, I pray for the families, black families who are having to teach their children uh, more than white families how to engage with officers with authority. Lord, and I pray for the officers. I pray for their families as they go off to work each day and families are back home praying for their safety as well. Lord, I pray for those who live in fear of what could happen to them. Lord, we pray for society's division. Lord, we are asking, Lord, would you heal our land? We pray, Lord, for a great awakening, Lord. We think we're woke. Lord, we are so far from woke. God, wake us up to the wickedness of this world is far, far more widespread than we think. Father, we pray that you would heal our land. God, we pray for the government that you would give wisdom to balance and answer the competing claims for justice and security and due process and freedom of speech. And oh God, I can't even imagine. Lord, grant wisdom. 
Father, I pray for this church. I pray for Trinity Community Church. And God, I'm asking you to expose the blindness in our eyes. Lord, expose the self-righteousness that would just smugly think, yeah, I'm not racist. And then we just dismiss things. We never, we never look any deeper than that. We don't ask any questions of friends in the black community. We never learn, we never grow, we move on, and nothing's changed. Oh, God, Lord, first and foremost, we want to honor you. And secondly, Lord, I want to honor the black community by leaning in and seeking to listen. So God, I pray that you would help us to be good listeners and help us to, well, I pray that by your spirit, you would expose the blindness of prejudice and racism that we are not even aware currently exists in our hearts. And I pray that you would do that through the truth of you are the creator and you're the redeemer. And I pray that we'd quickly turn and run to you. God, help us. God, help your church. Lord, build your church through this time. Lord, as weird as it maybe even sounds, but we want this time. We want to use this time. We wouldn't ask for it. We don't like it. We don't want it. But God, we want to leverage it. We must grow. So Father, I pray that you would help your church to grow. This church and churches across our nation, Lord, help us to grow in godliness, in a way that represents you, Lord, in a way that your image bearers are reflecting your glory, your creative glory. God, help us. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, thank you so much for being here. God bless you. Thank you for hearing. Thank you for listening. If you're live streaming, um, for those of you who uh, struggle with things that I've said, I want to lean in. So please, by all means, feel free. Let's do coffee. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday.